Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome. I am Patrick Farrar, and thank you again for joining us for another installment of the Opinionated Stance podcast. Please do me a huge favor if you haven't done so already. Go visit opinionatedstance.com. Follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play, and also subscribe to the channel, uh, the YouTube channel. If you have any comments, questions, feedback, show ideas, please reach out. We always love to hear uh, from our listeners. And again, thank you from the bottom of my heart. The show has been going off well. The interviews have been great. And the response has been amazing. And I, I wanted to take today's episode and kind of talk back about some of the stuff that we've had over the past previous episodes. Over the past few months, I've received several questions and follow-ups to the show regarding various different topics that we've discussed or talked about or touched on um, in the show. So I figured it would be a great time to do a Q&A episode where we took and look at some of the different topics that we've talked about. So I have a few questions here that I'm going to go through and give some answers about um, from the things that here. And yeah, let's start off. The first question I have is in regards to podcasting. And the question is, hi, I am interested in starting my first podcast. I'm a beginner and, uh, don't have any gear yet. What gear do you recommend, uh, for me starting out on? And also what advice do you have for a beginning podcaster, uh, who's starting out just like myself? And first off, thank you again for submitting these questions. I hope that we can do these more in the future here. So, um, to dive in, I think, first off, that is a great question. I will explain more about gear and some of the technical aspects of getting a podcast off the ground in terms of like the marketing and different things about distribution and stuff in a podcasting book course that I'm going to be publishing here in the near future. But to get started to answer the question without dodging it completely, I think that one of the things that we need to look at first is not necessarily the what, the what gear you need to get started. Um, you first have to learn about what podcasting is. And so first off, I would challenge you to take and figure out, like, look at what content you're going to try to bring to an audience. And with that being said, it's not just what content do you think um, an audience would like to hear. It's what content that you find something that you are passionate about and want to talk about for a period of time before diving actually into doing a podcast. I think many times people can take the plunge and say, "Ooh, podcasting is fun. I want to go do that. And they find the, the well is dry in terms of, different things that they can talk about and different things that they want to talk about. So if your if your hobby involves, you know, like collecting stamps or you're a video game player or this, that, and the other thing, figure out, can I talk about that as a podcast? Will there be an audience and will I be engaged enough to take and want to, uh, you know, continue talking about this for a extended period of time? I mean, I don't know what the goals are essentially off the bat for you, but Taking and figuring out how to take and do regularly scheduled content is what's going to develop listeners and keep you engaged in the future. Um, and without uh, having content to take and talk about, it can be challenging if you're not engaged in the content that you're talking about. So if you're you know, wanting to do a podcast on business and stocks and you don't care about business and stocks, don't do that because people can see that if you're not engaged in what topic you're talking about they're going to see that as like, oh, he's just doing this or he or she is just doing this for a reason uh, they're not engaged. So try to find a top in summary, try to find a topic that you're engaged about. Content is king with this. It's not necessarily what device you're right, recording on. It's the content that you're putting out. The next thing that I would say for an early person starting out for podcasting is figuring out regularity. Broadcasting and doing different things on a show, you're trying to take and have an audience and audiences you know, will consume now in the media space on demand when they choose to. But you also want to give them, you know, content to choose on a weekly basis, a daily basis, and so on. So 
When you start to get your content and your audience drilled in, figure out a consistent schedule of recording or taking and doing things and releasing. Uh, it could be a weekly schedule. Regular doesn't necessarily have to mean it has to be daily, hourly. I mean, that's people get burned out really quickly. So find out what a schedule that will work for you in podcasting. Stick to that schedule because what you'll find is if you're haphazardly starting to do oh, I'm going to do this show one week and then wait three weeks to do a show, then I'll do three shows in a week. It's that inconsistency can have a really hard effect for you to take and develop an authentic user base uh, of listeners who would be able to engage with your content there. Um, that was one of the things that I've learned just in trying through blogging and different things in the past is if you have regularity, people will engage that content more. Otherwise, if you're just trying to get something where it's more of a, like, here's 10 posts, that's a book, that's a different form and a different medium where podcasting may not be the best place to take and do that. So that's another thing is regularity. So content and then do, get this content out on a regular basis. The next thing that I would like challenge you and not um, take, in, take for lightly is the time that's involved. So podcasting doesn't start and end at the recording phase. Podcasting is a lot of different things. And depending on the scope of the show that you're trying to take and work on, podcasting can mean all these different things from planning guests to taking doing interview questions and show prep and then actually recording the show. And depending on the length of your show, um, could take and be editing down portions of pieces to take and make it into a certain time frame or to take and do that, then doing post-production work, the audio cleaning up, then making the levels all sound good and then there's also the whole distribution part and then marketing your podcast so one of the things that people that start out on the podcasting thing don't realize is the time it takes to actually put an episode together i think from my experience so far with the doing these oh this podcast uh episodes and opinionated stance episodes the two podcasts that i'm currently working on right now is each episode probably takes myself around at least five to ten hours to take in um, roughly due for like the weeks in terms of time of like editing, promotion, different things of mental space for that. Um, so just want to make sure that if you are getting into this and have got your content down and you've got your stuff figured out for like, you're going to take and do regularly scheduled programs where you're going to record on Monday and try to get everything out by Thursday. Um, make sure that your schedule is conducive to have that time in there. So I think that's one of the big things there that people overlook, especially early on. They're like, oh, I could just BS with some friends online, and that's just not the case. Um, so the time is something to consider. And lastly, on this topic, what I'm going to do right now, until because I'm going to save a little more technical details for um, a later show and some more content there, is focusing on gear. You had a question in there is, what gear should I have? And I think gear is important. And gear will take and do many different things for your podcast going forward. I think when you're early starting out, you need to take and look at this as a gear. Great content on bad gear is better than having poor content on amazing gear. And to kind of bring it like that, it's like unless you have great content, people are going to be forgiving all that if your microphone sounds a little off. But if you can't have engaging content that somebody's going to take and work with on the best sounding microphone, you know, it's the whole like lip syncing thing. It's people aren't going to stay around for that. So I would say that in all in the beginning, gear should be the least most important thing. I've seen people that have done podcasts where they use Google Hangouts or things like Zoom conferencing and doing Skype calls and focus on the content of what they're talking about versus 
the gear that they're on. People are using iPad or like iPhone earbuds and stuff, and the quality is it's not horrible, it's not great, uh, it's pretty marginal. But the 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 shows that you can hear sometimes have um, good con- content value, and I'd say that if you are going to look in the first thing to invest in in the con or in the gear state of things is look at getting a microphone, look at getting a good microphone. Um, focus on trying to get something that is a dynamic microphone. One of the two that I work on right now are sure SM 58 and then Assure SM seven B. Those are two different things. The SM 58 is one of the best microphones for it's, it's the tank. It's a music industry standard. And then the SM seven B is a more high end vocal microphone that is a different price point. So everything is also going to have a price point too. So figure out if you're not, if you can't answer the questions about content, regularity, and time, don't take and make the investments in the gear because it's just going to sit there and you're not going to use it. The second piece of gear that I would say is important is getting a piece of audio software. There's audacity, which is some, a free piece of software that you can use to take and record um, your podcast, which is awesome. You can use your phone, you can use all these different things. But then taking and going from Audacity and GarageBand to a Pro Tools or a Logic, uh, Logic Pro allows you to have more uh, things in your arsenal that can help clean up your audio and reduce hi- uh, produce higher quality content going out there. So I would think that those are probably the first two things that I would say. And then branch out. Then start to take in like, okay, how many more microphones do I have? I think the the main thing is the studio gear that you get really kind of depends on the podcast show that you're trying to produce. Um, right now with uh, Opinionated Stance podcast, it's mainly an inter- interview-based show. So my setup is a soundboard, two microphones, and that's all run through uh, Logic Pro X where I clean up everything and take and make it so it's produced out for higher quality than just uh, than just the basic stuff. But if you're not having a two microphone setup, we are not doing interviews. You're doing more of like a, a single person monologue episode. One microphone is good. If you're doing stuff where you're trying to take in, can't get everybody in your office or in your podcasting studio or where you're recording for, going to tools like Zoom or Skype or all those different online video conferencing things are a great way to start. So really the gear kind of depends on your start. And if you have any questions and stuff like that, we can take in, people can reach out to me at uh, the email here on the podcast and I would be happy to consult and try to get people's gears and answer question, more questions about that going. But again, to summarize that question, and I thank you for taking and asking is first, first focus on content, then figure out the regularity, understand that the time that comes into producing is not just the time that it takes to record and gear is second gear is not the first most thing um when it's time to take and buy something and upgrade go ahead and do it but know that that's an investment and you're taking it's kind of like the content there's ways you can fall off if you don't have good content maybe you don't want to do this if you don't have regular ability to take and do this maybe you don't want to do this if you don't have the time don't do it and then like if you get the first three figured out you could do it on low cost gear so Thank you again for that question. Uh, we're going to move on to the next one. And the next question, my next question is as follows. It reads, in previous episodes, you've mentioned that you're a software engineer. Thank you first off for listening to previous episodes. You've mentioned you're a software engineer, but didn't go to school for computer science. How did you find out that you wanted to begin to code? And how did you learn to code and begin your career? So again, major shout out for the person who sent this question in. And um, thank you for listening to the other episodes. And if you haven't gone and you're listening to this one, go back and listen to some of these other ones. 
But that is true. I didn't go to a computer science program. I went uh, in college to the business school for marketing and began starting to write software and coding um, to get my own ideas off the ground. It was a necessity when I knew uh, when I was graduating school. I knew that there was the technology space and the music space was what I wanted to start in. And I knew that um, if I wanted to be in the tech space, I couldn't just come in with a marketing business degree if I wanted to get a startup off the ground. I needed to. So I started to uh, t- my journey of learning to build software and coding from the, t- the technical side of things, from trying to really understand how much something will actually cost to get it off the ground. I wanted to basically be able to talk the lingo that software developers were and understand, oh, that's re- is this project really going to take five hours or is it going to take 50 hours and then try to put a number on that? And the reason I did that is because if I had a budget for some project and I could go and do X, Y, Z hours here or X, Y, Z hours there, I knew that how much it was actually going to cost to get an MVP off the ground. And that was the main, like that was the main nexus or like the alpha part of where I started my uh, foray into software development. It was, okay, let's try to understand and empathize with the technical side of things to then be able to uh, understand and figure out how to take and get a product off the ground. It's always, for me, it's always taking and assessing the product off the ground. So that's where I started. But over time, uh, it takes a lot of hard work to take and get a you know, to start learning anything from scratch, you know. So prior to me, once I graduated with my degree in marketing, I had a little bit of code experience. I had been hacking around either WordPress sites or, you know, doing MySpace widgets, uh, different things. So I knew really, really basic HTML and a little bit of PHP, a little bit of scripting, but I didn't know enough that I could take and say I was a software engineer or a developer even of that state. I knew that there were these things around. I knew how things I could take and make certain things do stuff on the page, but I didn't know the why behind it. And I think that was the big thing is I figured that once I became a software, quote unquote, a software engineer, it's I didn't know just the application side of things like what the what I knew the why and then the how. And then I was able to do that. But for me, the way that I started uh, learning to code was back in the late um late 2000s, it was piecemealing all these different online tutorials and technical books and experimentation and blog posts about this thing and this thing. And I remember first off, I'd have just like a basic HTML site and I would try to get jQuery and bind to the events. And I was like, okay, trying to get this jQuery plugin installed. And you drag and drop and oh, it doesn't install. And that was kind of where I stopped. You know, it's like, oh crap, it didn't work. And then one of the things that I would do is like, okay, experiment. Okay, what if I tried this? And started to just by trial and error, but it was never anything formalized for myself. I'm a self-taught developer. So it was literally trying to take and read things and get, okay, in this book, it talks about databases. Okay, what's a database? And how does that relate to a framework? Okay, here's a framework. And here is a um, uh, an ORM. And how do these all different things work? And so you start to pick up little pieces of the puzzle as you take and start to read these different things. And then you start to take and build a a set of experience that they can go on to actually start to build out software. So it was a lot of taking, it was a lot of hard work. And to give you like the level of hard work that was involved when I first started out was I would take and work a full-time job. I had would go in, work my full eight-hour day. Then I would come home, grab some food, and then I'd probably work for another four to six hours nightly, plugging away on the computer, just trying to hack and learn things together. And I wasn't hacking 
sites or anything like that. I was just trying to take and work locally to try to get a website up or this project up. Um, and that was really an interesting time in life because it was, it was people talk about learning a skill set or different things like that, like learning how to play guitar or learning how to take and paint or learning how to do this or that or the other thing. Learning to code is the same, absolutely the same realm. It's practice and rep repetition. Because what you do is like after you practice and do this, you learn how to take and do different things better and you optimize your flow. And once you see the errors, you can take and go and fix those different errors. So it really took a lot of time and the sacrifice was, I did make sacrifices. I cut back on going out and hanging out with friends. I didn't completely isolate myself in like a little code dungeon where I would just work on my own. But I did focus on learning the skills and the tools of writing software. That was my primary concern of like my free time. Because when I was doing this, I saw that it could lead to a better life. It could lead to me actually understanding like what it would cost from a technical side of things to get a startup idea off the ground. So I would do that. I was invested in it. I didn't invest money necessarily like, Oh, to go to a code Academy or anything like this. But the time, time is always money. And if people tell you differently, that's, that's wrong. So one of the things that I would do is I would take and learn to code by actually building things. Like some of the first things I built were just like a small analytics tool that was uh, geared towards hockey statistics. And another one was a music thing. And another one was a this thing. And another one was a that thing. And the whole thing with uh, taking and learning by practicing and taking and building out sample projects is you have a sandbox. And the best part about that is a sandbox in that time when you're just starting out is a great way to test out projects, test out ideas, test out things that aren't um, going to break a production code base. That if you break it and leave it for a few days, no one's going to notice because it's your own sandbox. Like, So it's a great low-risk way to learn things. And I think the biggest thing that I learned from taking and doing these uh, different sandbox projects was understanding what different errors were, how errors would occur, and then taking and going back to the drawing board. It was like... Again, I can't uh, iterate this enough. It was try something new, go as far as that that skill would take you until something broke, and then try something else new. And then you go as far as that that tactic goes, and then breaks, and try something else new. And by taking and doing that repetition over that four to six hours nightly over a several year period, um, that time helps you build confidence. And building confidence is the key. And one of the things that I learned early on after this, after I built confidence and saw the different things, it was it's kind of like a major league baseball player where they're up to bat. And at first, if you put anybody in, who's not a major league baseball player in a batter's box, seeing a pitcher throw, even like a change up at 80 miles an hour will scare the bejeebus out of them. But if you're a major league baseball player and you've seen it repetition over repetition, you get the confidence that that ball's not going to hit you, that you can actually hit the ball and actually make a, um, make an impact in the game. That's the same kind of thing is the more time you spend in the code, and taking and practicing and doing that, doing these repetitions and repetitions, you get confidence that you can actually build something. And so what I ended up starting to do was from this experience of working and trying to figure out how much something would cost to pay somebody else to do it, I realized that I could start to do it all on my own. You know, everything that I could build <laughs> uh, that I was trying to have people build that I would pay for previously, I could actually do myself better, cheaper, faster and understand even more closer to the business logic, what I was trying to do. So it was a great thing that helped me launch a career in the software business 
that has allowed me to take and work for different companies um, in different sectors and also have my own software consulting business where I get to take and solve these problems and mentor other people on trying to take and um, do these things. So again, I think um, the big thing is when you're first starting out in your career in software is it's going to take time. Don't think you're going to learn it all in the first day. It's going to take a couple of years for you to just see the errors and different things. And being a junior developer, getting a role as a junior developer, be a sponge, learn as much as you can. Um, and yeah, it's a great experience to take and do. And anything that you can see, like you can go down the route of paying for a, you know, a code school or different things like that nature where you're going to an actual like intensive online training or boot camp or something like that. I would challenge you first to take and look at things like Pluralsight or actual code school, which are just personal recommendations, not affiliated by this whatsoever. Those are great tools that will help you learn uh, straight off the ground by actually doing. So um, I hope that answers the question there for that. Um, and again, thank you uh, for sending these questions. And it was an absolute treat for me to take and think about these like for a longer period of time. And I hope that in the future we get more and more questions and can have more and more of these Q&A uh, sessions as we go along. I um, Again, I can't say enough about the support that we've had for the show so far. But if you could do me a huge favor, uh, go online and share this with your friends and share this with other people on social media. That would be great. Again, thank you for joining us uh, today for episode 12 of the Opinionated Stance podcast. If you're here and you still haven't done so, go visit the website. Go to OpinionatedStance.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast um, on iTunes and Google Play. Also, look at the YouTube channel. We're going to get more content up there. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, show ideas, uh, please reach out. We'd love to hear the feedback. Thank you again for listening to the shows. And until next time, cheers. We are out.